What's his name? I already forgot his name. Lewis. Lewis. I think he knew Lewis was gonna die. How could you forget? I just said it. Because I'm a goldfish. Hello, and welcome to our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray, and I am a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter at at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. In a BuzzFeed quiz that we just took to determine who our The 100 soulmate is, I, of course, got Abby Griffin. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And my soulmate on the 100, according to this BuzzFeed quiz, is Clark Griffin. Griffin ladies! <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 407 of the 100, Gimme Shelter. I'm, I can't believe they named a Gimme Shelter and didn't use Gimme Shelter. Yeah. Didn't even, like, say Gimme Shelter. Just, like, super, super offended that they didn't go completely on the nose with it. Not cool. Hmm. Alright, are you ready to start talking about things? This was- I enjoyed this episode. I, honestly, I think it might be one of my favorites of the whole show. I- I would agree. I mean, in my second rewatch of it, I was kind of like, okay, I see some issues with this, but overall <laughs> I really liked it. So, the first thing we're going to be talking about is all the stuff that happens with Octavia and Ileon. Octilion. Octilion. That's really fun Octilion. to say. Octilion. Yes, I'm very into it. Octilion. Octilion. So, uh, Ilion follows Octavia, and, you know, she runs away, but she has time to grab her horse and her cape, I guess. Oh my god, that cape. Oh my god, that cape. Is she, like, do you think she watched Riverdale and got some style tips from Veronica Lodge? Of course. Yeah, like, it's not a Game of Thrones type cape, that's a Riverdale type cape. It is, though. Oh, that cape. That, that's it. That's all I got on that one. <laughs> so, she saves him from the rain, mm -hmm. and there seems to be this thing, like, in grounder culture, and my mom brought this up, about how blood must have blood is a thing, and so if someone wrongs you, you also have to wrong them, but it seems like if someone does something nice for you, you also have to do something nice for somebody else, or for them. Yeah, it's like repaying your debts. Yeah. And so. then, you know... We were talking a little bit about revenge this episode as well, so it's interesting. That is interesting. I actually did wonder, like, what part of Octavia was like, all right, I gotta save this guy. Mm-hmm. But they go to a cave, and thank goodness she needs to, like, wash off Helios, because I was like, hashtag justice for Helios, because he doesn't get, like, a cape or a jacket or anything. Yeah, boy, take care of Helios. And, like, she washes him off and everything, but when the rain starts burning them, you can also hear him go, ow. Oh, can you? Yeah, you can. Like, they both go, ow, and she goes, ow, and then Helios goes, nay, which is my impression of him. Oh, I thought for a second you were um, trying to imply that you speak horse. Oh, that too. So, like, what's that like? Um... It's it's pretty uh it's pretty boring actually. I don't have a lot to say. Okay, mm just a lot of stuff about like carrots. Yeah, and like hay or whatever. Yeah. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm, yeah. Nay. I'm like really worried to do a horse impression. It'd be very embarrassing. I have no shame about most things, but horse impressions are not one of them. I didn't know that that was something that you even had an opinion on in the first place. Well, there you go. Learning something new every day. Every day. 
Um, and so Octavia is the most sassy, and yeah, not a whole heck of a lot's happening with those two, you know? Yeah, just like regular teenage stuff. It does absolutely crack me up that the entire, like, plot of this episode was the stuck in the elevator trope. It's true, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah, it's so true. Like, especially for those two, it's like, oh, guess we're stuck in here and we're gonna be forced to bond. <laughs> it's it's a fan fiction. It legitimately is. Yeah. It. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't love it. I did. Yeah. I did. Okay. So Ilian says to Octavia, "Where will you go?" Which is like literally what Kane says to her last episode. I mean, you know, there's more to the sentence, but he says it. I'm like, "Where will you go?" The new I love you. Um. <laughs> And so he's talking about how he can't go home and because this and it reminds him of this and this and this. Um, question. Mm-hmm. D- is something... <laughs> thank you. Something <laughs> like this has been said before. And my guess is Raven, when she's on the chip to Clark. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? When she says something like, do you see their faces all the time or whatever? Uh, yeah, I believe she said that to either Clark or Bellamy? Oh, yeah. I just feel like that's that's been brought up before. Yeah, I think that's a pretty... It's like a manipulative sort of theme. Yeah, okay. Um, and then Octavia says she's not a murderer... Or, like, Octavia says he's not a murderer because he feels all the bad things you're supposed to feel. Which, for a second, let's think about also the people who feel bad. Mm. Monty, Bellamy, Clark... Well, it's kind of, it's the entire mission statement of this episode, right? Because it ties into the Abby dilemma, which is, if you kill someone, right? like, what does it cost you? I guess the more important question is, who else doesn't feel when they kill people? I would say season one Murphy is probably one of those. That's possible, yeah, for sure. Maybe Roan? Echo? Echo, for sure. And I don't think it could be argued that Indra doesn't, because I think she does like yeah, Andrew's okay. a warrior but I think she has like her code is very important to her mm-hmm. but yeah like Octavia is obviously the the stone cold killer where's Helios in this cave he's just chilling but where I didn't see him am I crazy well they only have one cave set so they had to kind of just like <laughs> just move stuff around so like Helios is in the little pocket where Clark and Rowan were okay <laughs> I don't know gotcha well, they're like, Helios gets bored, so he doesn't want to be here all day. Yeah, imagine trying to have a horse on set all the time. Yeah, no, it's real, though. And so he mentions that she couldn't kill him. And he seems to think it's like a whole... What? I don't know what he's thinking it's about, but he doesn't know the whole story. And so that's probably what annoys her. She's just like, don't think it's because we're friends or that I like you or whatever. It's literally because she was about to become Pike. Yeah. Which, like, he just didn't understand. But also, yeah. I'm like, weren't you listening to what Kane was saying? That Yeah, that was the thing I was wondering, too, is... Um, I think he's pressing her buttons and trying to get her to open up about the thing that he right. heard Kane saying. Like, what is right. the thing that you're afraid of becoming? What did you lose? Mm-hmm. Tell me your sad story. Yeah. Because when you're stuck on an elevator, you gotta swap life stories. Exactly. It's a whole... It's a thing. It's a thing. They did it on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, complete with the musical number. And a hookup. Like, this is a thing. Yeah, I'm just watching uh, Jane the Virgin season one right now, and, like, you know, it happens all the time. Yeah, Jane and Roth got stuck in an elevator. Wait, was it Jane and Roth or Jane and Michael? Michael. 
Yes, it was Gina Michaels. And then right, the right, and right, then right. the elevator opened and Raphael was like, <clears throat> He's like, um, what's going on And I was here? like, surprise. And Jane was crying. Yeah, because... Never mind. These are all oh, spoilers. Right, spoiler. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I just watched the whole show. I'm only on season one. Okay. So then he mentions that he believes that who she was before is, like, still inside of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of on that train, too. Uh, I don't think that person ever went away. No. And, like, it's obvious that Octavia's actually putting in actual work into burying that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, like, she'll spare Bellamy and she'll spare, um, Ileon, but she's gonna be a real grump about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She walks real close to the fire, and I'm like, uh, careful, please. Marie, watch your feet, please. And, okay, so... Mom wanted to mention that the way that she walks out of the cave is the same way that Lincoln surrenders himself with his arms outstretched. I don't want to hear that. Okay, sorry, just bringing it up. Next. <laughs> no, that's that's really good. It was definitely, like, sort of a baptism type thing, like, walking out to surrender. Okay, next question. Do you think that this scene is about suicide or about self-harm? That's a great question. I got self-harm vibes from it. Whereas I think I fall on the suicide line. Hmm. Why why self-harm? Um, okay, so I've never self-harmed and I've never felt the need to do that. So I, first of all, don't have any experience in this Mm -hmm. or suicidal thoughts. So (laughs) don't hate me if I get something (laughs) wrong, I guess. Um, But... Especially the way that after he grabs her, she says things like, I need this, Mm -hmm. or like, this is supposed to help, or something like that. Yeah. From what I know about self-harm, which isn't a whole lot, that seems to be a theme, or a pattern. Uh, I can see that argument. I could definitely see that argument. Yeah, because she's sort of saying, I need this, I need this, so. Mm -hmm. And, And the way that she says, make me feel something else. Yeah, it's less about needing to die and more about needing to feel literally anything else. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Because at first I was reading it as she was just walking out to try and die. Mm. Um, but, you know, it really could be either thing and she was sort of going to decide as she got out there. Right. She's like, either I'll go back inside or I won't. Yeah, exactly. And, like, a lot of the time, because I have been down this road, like, you know, as a teenager, um, a lot of the time you're kind of, like, in this fuzzy space where you're just kind of like, I'm just gonna do it. Mm -hmm. And so, with Octavia, it's just sort of a desperate need to escape whatever you're feeling slash not feeling at all, because it's kind of scary to not feel anything. Right. So, for her to try... Obviously, the thing is, I don't think Octavia has processed the fact that pain isn't helping her. Right. Like, pain is not the thing that helps her process other emotion, because she's tried that, and she's tried fighting people she's tried murder and so she then of course turns to a different kind of outlet right and i think that was i think there's merit in it mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> so he like gets on top of her and you're like i know where this is going <laughs> like oh, okay i've seen this one i was like i'm ready for this okay so my thoughts on this is, like, I genuinely thought that Ilian was going to say no. Yeah, so did I. Um, because 
I, I mean, I expected him to be like, you're not in the right headspace right now. Mm-hmm. You, we should not do this at all. And then I would have been like, Ilian, you are the MVP. You are my favorite person ever. Um, but <laughs> he did it anyway. <laughs> I think I thought that as well. And then she said, I need to feel something. And I think mm-hmm. that in Ilian's mind, it was his way of giving her back something that he clearly took away from her. Mm. Because of the way he burned Arcadia and just used her to get inside and stuff. And he's like, if I can give her this, then maybe she can have something. You right. know, like, and it's clear that he was really taken aback by it. But at the same time, what she needed there, I think, was a lot more... It was a healthier choice than anything else, and I think he knew that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So, they kind of gave each other something, but I really like that it was way more focused on Octavia than it was on Ilian. Yeah. 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 Yeah, cool. So, the next time we see them, Octavia's staring at her knives, and they're all wearing their clothes again, so I assume that they, like, once your clothes have dried, they're okay? Or, like, they washed them in the pool there, and then they dried and they were okay? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. And then he talks about how he's going to go home and there's this like weird thing where they both talk about sheep and how they're dumb. And I think I actually thought it was really funny. It was funny. Um, And he like gives her the directions. Like he's not like take a left at this tree, but he says, if you want to follow me or like if you want to come, you're like you're invited. And it's like nice because she never has a place. That's true. Yeah, she doesn't. And so like she's invited. Because I really, I go back and forth on Ilion because he seems like, he follows her a lot and it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. And it's like, why are you so obsessed with her? Right. And I can't figure out if it's because she's sort of the last point of, like, familiarity for him because he has no family left and Polis, obviously, you know, is in some trouble, so... She's really all he has, and he obviously cares so much about humans that he actually needs that human connection. I'm just kind of, I don't know how I feel about how he treats her, reacts around her. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But I like what she he did for her, because obviously she needed an impartial, like, third party to be like, what you're doing isn't healthy for you. Because she wasn't going to listen to Cain and she wasn't going to listen to Bellamy. Because sometimes you don't listen to your family. You have to listen to your friends instead. So Octavia and her dilemma right now really reminds me of Order of the Phoenix and Mm -hmm. Cho Chang. Okay. So this is a quote from Order of the Phoenix where Hermione is talking about Cho Chang to Ron and Harry. Uh, And this is after Cho and Harry kissed in the room of requirement and... Cho was crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hermione says, Don't you understand how Cho's feeling at the moment? Hermione asked. No, said Ron and Harry together. Hermione sighed and laid down her quill. Well, obviously she's feeling very sad because of Cedric dying. Then I expect she's feeling confused because she liked Cedric and now she likes Harry and she can't work out who she likes best. And then she'll be feeling guilty thinking it's an insult to Cedric's memory to be kissing Harry at all and she'll be worrying about what everyone else might say about her if she starts going out with Harry. And she probably can't work out what her feelings towards Harry are anyway because he was the one who was with Cedric when Cedric died so that's all very mixed up and painful. Oh, and she's afraid she's going to be thrown off the Ravenclaw Quidditch team because she's been flying so badly. A slightly stunned silence greeted the end of this speech and then Ron said, one person can't feel all that at once, they'd explode. 
Just because you've got the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean we all have, said Hermione nastily picking up her quill again. So, like, maybe the end of that monologue with um, Harry being, the like, with Cedric when he died and, like, Ravenclaw Quidditch team, like, isn't so relevant, but I really feel like the rest of that kind of is. No, it totally was. I was totally following you on that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, people process grief differently, and this was how Cho and Octavia process grief. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, so she chooses to drop her knives into the pool. How did you feel about that? I I think, like, I'm glad that she did, because I think she's without a weapon now, but why is this her turning point? And why, like, I, it's nice, but I kind of wish that they would have used her, like, fake death as more of a turning point rather than this. Does that make sense? I think, I've, I've thought a lot about this. And I think the reason her fake death wasn't her turning point was because the pain of the fake death didn't do anything for her. Mm. Okay, yeah. It, it basically just reminded her of what happened to Lincoln. Right. And she didn't want to keep feeling that. So, like, I guess her rebirth didn't happen when you, she fell off a cliff. It had to happen when she was away from everyone else. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just, it's sort of odd that the show didn't come back to that fake death as anything really impactful because Octavia, like, almost died. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. But they don't see it that way. Alas. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Ilian's walking through the forest, Mm -hmm. and this is, like, the most Twilight. (laughs) Is it not? Don't! Just because they shoot in the same forest. (laughs) He, like, like... Cast that guy as Jacob. There's nothing I hate more than Twilight, and now you've brought this up. But like, and it's I don't so think true. You're wrong. It's so true, though. That guy's a werewolf. Oh my god. I'm just saying. Anyway, so she chooses to take him home with her and Helios because he was just gonna walk. That's nice. Yep. Yeah. I like the the olive branch that they're offering each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether sex as a coping technique is valid is a whole different discussion, but for Octavia, clearly it worked. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. So that's good, then. She needed an outlet. It was healthier than what she could have done. Yeah, she needed an outlet other than killing people and beheading people. Exactly. Which is what Kane was telling her the entire time, but apparently you can't always listen to Kane, or people don't, and they probably should. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the stuff that happens in Arcadia. Yay! The dude who Harper hurt, well, Harper hurt or like caused to be hurt, his name is Lewis. Oh, God. I was, and Lewis died. The, yeah, the entire time I was like, Robin, you know this one's going to die, right? Lewis! Oh, Lewis, we hardly knew ye. Sorry about you getting trampled, though. Why do they keep doing these things where they're like, half of the characters in Arcadia are names like crazy things like Clark and Wells and Finn and Bellamy and Octavia, and then half of them are called like John and Nathan and Lewis and Peter and Mark? Because that's just the human race. (laughs) It annoys me. Like, that's exactly what we do, though. We're like, my kid's gonna have a name like Belladonna, and my kid's name is gonna be Apple. (laughs) <laughs> and my kid's name is going to be Dirt. <laughs> wow, don't talk about Murphy that way. Sorry. <laughs> Little King Trashmouth. So what else is new? Bellamy wants to go find Octavia. Whoa. Wow. Hot take. 
I would, though. <laughs> if my sibling was out there, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I gotta go, sorry. And, but then Dad Kane was like, she can take care of herself. I was like, can she? And Bellamy was like, I'm not gonna listen to you, because no one does. <laughs> Dad Kane's like, not again. <laughs> Looks straight into the camera. Stop it, I hate you. <laughs> so, um, the next point I have is that he goes, all wet clothing in the designated zone. Please tell me they did drills of this. I just think that's really Please funny. Please tell me that all of Sky Crew had to, like, mimic taking their clothes off and throwing them in the zone. Or even if they, like, weren't even mimicking it. Yeah, be like, okay, everyone get naked. And we're like, we live in a weird place. Every time someone's like, you know what we should do? We should do a drill. <laughs> we should. I just, I feel like a drill today. It's a really good way to, like, find a new coat. And then Kane, who's just, like, the most, like... Gullible is just like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> just so we're ready. And whoever is just like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Harper's yeah. like, yeah, I just wanted to show everyone my abs, actually. <laughs> everyone in this scene took their shirts off and I was real happy about it, not gonna lie. Good. I'm glad for you. Yeah. I want to congratulate Bob Morley uh, and Henry Cusick and Chelsea Rice. Mm. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, I also want to <laughs> give a big shout out to uh, Octavia and Ilian for this one. I was so mad because Marie is, like, crouching down and her, like, stomach is, like, like, you know when you, like, bend over and then you've got the, you've got the rolls because that's just how your stomach looks. Uh-huh. And she doesn't. No. And I'm like, what is this? Who are you? Just, like, pro- quite possibly, like, a goddess sent from above who isn't real. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of because how does, how does one accomplish that? I don't get it. I don't. I don't know. She's so beautiful. It's unfair. Either way, they get a call from Mark Colton, who we didn't know before, and we didn't know freaking Peter, who is apparently one of the hundred, and I'm mad. So, of the hundred that survived Mount Weather, so of the 48, we've got what? Clark, Octavia, Bellamy. Octavia wasn't in, well, she was in there for a little bit, but she wasn't. But, like, oh. the, like, from the group that got cut oh, down okay. of, like, the original blank ones. Yeah. Clark, Octavia, Bellamy, Jasper, Monty. Harper. Um, Monroe. Harper, Monroe. Miller. Raven, Miller. Tim Bartlett. Tim Bartlett and Peter. Because Peter. Fox died. Roma died and Bege died. I mean, Monroe Drew died. died. Connor died. Miles died. You know who I was thinking about today? What? Glenn Dixon. Do you know who Glenn Dixon is? Who the hell is Glenn Dixon? He's uh, one of the kids who died in the, in the crash when he took off his seatbelt. Why do you know his name? Because it was up on the screen in the pilot. Oh my god. I always call him Irrelevant Glenn. I never knew his name. It was Glenn. Well, there were two of them, but I only knew about Glenn. Okay. Alas, um, Glenn. So he was R.I.P. Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> like, Four seasons too late. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Alas. We need to hold a funeral for all these kids. I think so. So of that bunch, we're we're really getting low on delinquents here. No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark is over near factory station with Peter. So the, it was just those two then, I guess. Yeah. What were they doing that far out? 
Uh, so Harper wants to put Lewis in med bay. Does she know him or is it just because she heard him by accident? I think it's because she heard him by accident. Okay. He's um, a complete innocent person. So the reason why he can't go into med bay is because med bay's full. Mm-hmm. Do you think he he's not allowed to go in there because med bay's full of people who are worse off than him or just because Kane's like, bro, med bay ain't gonna help him? Um, I think it's because it's full of people who are worse off and Kane knew that. Okay. Like, he knew that it, that person... What's his name? I already forgot his name. Lewis! Lewis! I think he knew Lewis was gonna die. How could you forget? I just said it. Because I'm a goldfish! Okay. You know, Dory? Yeah. That's me! Okay. <laughs> I can't remember anything. You can tell me something, I'll absorb roughly half the information, because the other half of my brain is occupied with something else. Cool. Yeah. I made a funny joke on Twitter, because uh-huh. you know how we like to talk about how... Kane is really bad with names because we think it's funny. Mm-hmm. So I, I made this tweet last night that I thought was really funny. It was mm-hmm. like, Kane walks over to Harper, who's upset, puts his hand on Harper's shoulder and says, it's okay, Monroe, and walks Stop. away. <laughs> You're horrible. <laughs> Just make him comfortable, Monroe. Good luck with that. It's bad because it's really me that's the one that's bad with names. <laughs> We've we've uncovered where the cane bed with names came from. Yeah, in it's the first just place. You. It's just me projecting. So Bellamy <laughs> puts on this fire damaged suit and thinks that duct tape, oh. like duct tape, fixes everything. Like I get it. Yeah. Okay. Clearly they learned that on the arc too. There is a quote from the season or the series finale of Lost about duct tape, and I'm going to find it right now. Imagine my surprise. It exists, and I'm very excited about it, because it's, like, one of my favorite quotes. I won't even tell you who it's from, just in case. I am psyched that duct tape survived the apocalypse and then up in space. Yeah. Like, I'm psyched that people in space were like, you know what we should bring bring up with us? Duct tape. I bet half the arc was held up with duct tape. Duct tape and hope. So the quote is, can you fix it? And the character goes... I don't believe in a lot of things, but I do believe in duct tape. All right, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, duct tape don't work. <laughs> Which, again, Dad Kane's like, mm, I don't think that's gonna work. And Bellamy's like, don't tell me what to do, Dad. Don't tell me what I can't do, Dad. Don't tell me what I can't do. And it's like, mm, okay, so Kane has to watch as Bellamy gives that the old college try. John locks himself. Yeah. He, he does, though. He wants to go on a walkabout to save people. <laughs> so, yeah. We learned that Jaha and Monty were in Sector 5 and they're all good, but we have not heard about Jasper. What the hell? So, Jaha obviously has this side plot going on that we are not privy to yet. I feel like he's definitely out there looking for bunkers. Yeah. And... That's all going to come to a head clearly soon, but how do you get Monty to go with him? I don't know, but here's the other thing. They say that they have 200 people. Are are they talking about they have 200 people with Kane or 200 people with Jaha and Monty? Because if there's 500 people in all, why do they have 200 people? No, I think it's like Sector Sector 5 is grounder territory. So I imagine it's like they have 200 people at like tree crew. Okay, that makes way more sense, because I was like, why do you have 200 people? And, like, thank God, that means that 200 of Tree Crew survived, because their numbers are getting very small. Oh, I see. So you're saying, oh. Yeah, so, like, there's 200 people where they are. There's 200 grounders with them. Yes, 
Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't, okay. I don't think you can march all of Sky Crew somewhere. They're too stubborn. No, I don't think so either. That's why I was like, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, Kane says that Mark is resourceful, and it's mentioned that Peter is one of the hundred, which you kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, suit still doesn't work, and he get, but he does get to the rover, and he decides to go to Mark and Peter. Kane shouting for him broke my heart. He's like, but my son, come he's back. Like, I, he's legitimately like, I know that you have to do this, but you can't do this. You're going to die. Come back. I love you. He does, though. I need more hugs. The fact that Marcus Kane did not get a hug in this episode, it, deeply upsetting for me. Very sad. Very sad. Yes. Continuing on. So he goes on the private channel with Kane and... Here, here he is being out here being like, save who you can save today. Even though he mm-hmm. <laughs> couldn't save anyone today. Yeah. He um, tried. And he's like, come home safe. Because he loves his son so much. But he also knows that there's a point where you can't stop Bellamy from doing what he wants to do. No, like, that's real. That's Kane and Bellamy's entire relationship is, okay, you can't actually set, like, rules with Bellamy. You can kind of just hope that the boundaries you set around him he'll kind of just ping pong around yeah no that's real yeah bellamy just kind of was like okay so if i do it my way and kane's like all right so you're actually kind of doing it my way but whatever (laughs) sounds good just stay in the rover stay safe yeah and go save who you can save because like that's bellamy as a character right yeah exactly yeah so kane spends his evening just sitting by the radio checking up on his son poor puppy Just, like, waiting for news, you know. And Mark says that the wind shifted, and now they don't really have any cover, and the rain's just, like, going right on them. Ugh. And Bellamy gets stuck in the mud, and thinks that he's gonna go out there and get himself out, but... Listen. can't. That didn't work in either of the first two Jurassic Park movies. In yeah. the first one, when you get stuck in the mud and you go and use a winch, a Dilophosaurus comes up and spits in your face and then eats you. R.I.P. Nedry. Got it. In the second one, you use it to try and haul two trailers off the side of a cliff in the rain, and two Tyrannosaurus Rexes show up and tear you in half. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's really inconvenient, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that almost happened to me the other day, and I was like, I'm never doing this again. Mm-hmm. So, like, moral of the story, if it's raining and you're stuck, don't get out with a winch because a dinosaur will be around. Thank you. Yeah. For this top-notch advice. Yeah, that's just good advice. Yeah. Okay, okay. cool, yeah. Kane says that he's out of options, but this is kind of just another way for him to say you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, a theme in this episode. Yeah. Choice. Just well, saying. Well, that's the Kane that's and Clark, right? Like... Yeah. Versus the Abby and Bellamy, which are the hot-headed i always have a choice when i was watching it last night i was really upset with mark um i was like listen bellamy can't do it just like chill out but now i I watched it again today and i was like robin his son's dying right in front of himself (laughs) like he's he's gonna die now robin robin his child is dying (laughs) robin mark mark's allowed to be upset (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know who Mark is or what he looks like, but I feel really bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. And Bellamy's pup said about this. Poor, poor Bellamy. He just, 
every obstacle that Bellamy has come up against this season, which is like a theme that's going on with this season, and we'll talk about that later with the Nightblood stuff, but every obstacle that he comes up against, he cannot overcome. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps getting beaten down and beaten back. Same thing with Kane. They can't, no one can get the W. It's real. No one can get a win. And Bellamy, once again, is just knocked right back and can't save anyone, can't protect anyone. Many sads. Mm-hmm. So Lewis dies. Yeah. And Mark and Peter die. And Bellamy's like, I can't protect anyone. And is talking about how he's his sister's keeper. It's just like pretty much throwbacks to his sister's keeper talking about like legit like flashbacks that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says a different version of my sister, my responsibility. Like he kind of breaks the sentence up a little bit. And mm-hmm. so mom was thinking that maybe that was supposed to be a sign that he's starting to give up on that. But I don't know. I would think so. I think he's probably letting go of the whole must protect Octavia Mm -hmm. and expanding it more to like, I couldn't protect my mom. I couldn't protect Octavia. I can't protect anyone, but I'm going to try mentality. Yeah. It's like, it's okay, little boo. You try your best, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So then they talk about can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. And so Kane's talking about Octavia. Mm Mm-hmm. And... He says that his Aurora would be proud of him because Kane is proud of him. Mm -hmm. And then Bellamy says, you floated my mom, but was Jaha not the chancellor during that or? Well, Kane was, Kane was the law on the arc. Oh, okay. So Kane was like, I'm the one who decides who gets floated. Yeah. Kane straight up floated Bellamy's mom. That just kind of confuses me because people get really mad at Jaha about that so it's like who is actually to blame like Murphy gets mad at Jaha about floating his dad Mm -hmm. but should he be mad at Kane like I don't know I think it's sort of the way I saw it um is even though Kane was the law in the arc maybe Kane wasn't the person who pulled you know or pressed the button but he was complicit Mm. in a system that allowed for people to be killed for like an offense of having a child right so because Jaha is not around and because Bellamy and Kane have formed such a bond at which Kane clearly looks at as a parental figure, you know, by putting him in, himself in the same slot as Aurora, and Bellamy's pushing back and saying, you're not my parent because the parent I did have, your system killed. Right. So in, in Bellamy's mind, he's putting that blame squarely on Kane the same way that Octavia puts the blame for... Lincoln's death squarely on Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just sort of like that single-minded Blake focus when we all know that, like, there's multiple people who are responsible for those things, but the reality is that Bellamy played a role in Lincoln's death and that Kane played a role in Aurora's death. And even if, like, Kane has become a totally different person and evolved, it doesn't... We can't erase the fact that Kane was that person who did those things. And it's nice to bring that back sometimes because he's changed so much. Exactly. You know, like, you can't be the person you are without remembering who you used to be. And for Kane, it's sort of like where the shock lashing plays a role in he and Abby's relationship is he did those things. And, you know, Bellamy hung Murphy. Like, everyone mm-hmm. has their sins and they make those mistakes. And it doesn't mean that they're not good people or have evolved into good people, but it also means that they have things that they haven't addressed. And no one addressed the fact that Kane was responsible for Aurora's death before. Right. Okay. So this was, to me, this was totally necessary. 
I thought it was actually kind of funny because Kane's like, okay. <laughs> like, he, Bellamy's yep. like, I hate you. And Kane's like, alrighty, well, I guess I'll get up and go talk to someone who I can help. Yep. It's like, hello, other child. Allow me to come for you. How are you? Henry and Cusick once tweeted at uh, Bob Morley what, uh, during season three, and he's like, when your kids push you away, <laughs> love them more, hold them closer. And I was like, that's all I could think of during the scene. Okay, and then Kane says to Harper, who you want to be doesn't always win. And, like, he's just got so many of these, like, mantras this episode. Like, what is... <laughs> the people around him... It's like last episode when Jaha was like, from the ashes we will rise. And everyone's like, huh? And then Kane comes in spouting random nonsense and everyone's like, huh? At least with Kane, it feels a little more on brand. Yeah, no, it's true, though. Like, the... What did, what, what did Kane say to Harper? Um, who you want to be doesn't always win. I feel like that's absolutely Kane's mission statement as a character. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because that was 100% when Kane got to the ground and was making decisions that maybe he shouldn't have been making. Like when he locked uh, Bellamy and Murphy up for equally the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even though Murphy had shot Raven and no one was choosing to like, acknowledge that. Right. Like that was Kane making the wrong decisions because he kept being his arc self and not his ground self. But then he grew a beard and everything's fine now. All's well. Yeah. The next time that we see them, Bellamy's back. He says there's no word from Octavia. So is are we supposed to say that Bellamy thinks that Octavia is dead again? Or do you think that he's like, eh, she's fine? I think they're kind of just assuming for now that she's off on her own journey. Okay, yeah. I don't think he thinks she's dead. And then they say, you can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved again, except this time they're saying it about Octavia, but Bellamy really means himself. It's about Bellamy. Which kind of... I can't decide if that closes the book on the Kane trying to be Bellamy's dad thing, or if it puts their relationship on a playing field where now they're both aware of what their roles are in their relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I think they should have hugged. Let's take another second to talk about who else they're trying to save but can't really save. Jasper okay. is the main one. Yeah. And we're also thinking a little bit about the Grounders and how they've kind of, like, gone off and, like, the Grounders that actually know about Prime Fire and how it's, like, coming are kind of just going oh, yeah, off like and being, like, whatever, let's just, yeah, exactly, just, let's just yeah. be, yeah. The last thing that I had about this half of, or part of the, the last thing I had about this part of the story was this song at the end that they're playing. Mm -hmm. It's called State of the Art by Jim James. And the part that I really noticed when I was watching was that most of the lyrics were just Rockabye Baby. Okay. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. But my mom said that we should look at the lyrics um, more carefully. And I haven't read this yet. So I'm just going to start reading them out. And I guess we'll see if we can get something from it. Okay. Uh, daylight come, daylight go. How far will it reach? Ain't nobody know. And when the dawn breaks, the cradle will fall, and down come baby, cradle and all. Now I know you need the dark just as much as the sun, but you're silent on forever when you ink it in blood. Um, A-I-O-U, blah blah blah, a bunch of vowels. I use the state-of-the-art technology, supposed to make for better living. Are we better human beings? We've got our wires all crossed, our tubes are all tied, and I'm straining to remember just what it means to be alive. A life worth living, now you can feel it in your chest, building like little bullets, just building up the nest. And you build it up strong, and you 
fill it up with love, and you pray for good rain, all from the Lord above. Uh, and then uh, the chorus again, because when the power goes out, I got other means. Or no, wait. I... The state of... What? That's not right. Uh, my state-of-the-art technology, now don't you forget it, it ain't using me, because when the power goes out, I got other means, because the power's going out, I hear the power's going out, I mean the power's going out, I really mean it, the power's going out. Okay. So that one's the... That's a mission statement for the show. Yep. There's a whole lot in there that I think speaks for itself, so... There's a lot of fatalistic slash hopeful storytelling in there. Yeah. And I do think it speaks for itself, so I don't... Yeah, for sure. I don't know if there's much we can say about it. No, it, de- it definitely speaks... It's, it's the show in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay, um, Brittany, why don't you take the lead on the cabbie phone call? Hi, I'm here to talk about cabbie. <laughs> like, hire me. So here's the thing that I really like about this scene where um, the first thing we see that sort of transitions the cabbie phone call is Abby pacing and shaking. Yep. Which, honestly, to me, I'm having a hard time with Abby's brain thing because the symptoms that she's displayed are so different from Raven's. Yeah. To me, a lot of Abby's brain stuff comes off as really intense stress so far. Mm. Um, Like the shakes and the stuff. But all of that sort of melts away the minute she hears Kane over the radio. And she kind of calms down and she sits down and focuses. She just books it over there. Yeah, like she runs. Because, like, I'm, like, Kane is, like, her safe space now. So, mm-hmm. it, in the same way that, like, Raven takes refuge in science, Abby is taking refuge in, like, her one point of contact, which is Clark and then uh, Kane. Mm-hmm. And so she books it over there and tells him that she's really glad to hear his voice, which them in season one versus them in season four would not recognize each other. Nope, that's real. And the thing that I really like about this scene is they're having such a frank and honest conversation about their personalities and how they view each other. Mm-hmm. Because Abby is asking someone who has taken lives, if I do this, does this make me a murderer? And Kane is telling her, you know, death is really hard to address for a lot of people. And it, they obviously took a toll on him when he was doing it. Right. And that he hopes that it isn't easy for her to do because she is someone who has so much compassion and humanity. And the fact that she has to do this, it doesn't make her a bad person. But she had to hear that from someone who has taken lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And she had to hear that from someone who will love her regardless of whether or not she does this. Wow. But... Like, it's, it's, it's a lot, but it's also, I really like that this scene recognizes the fact that Abby and Kane are really important characters in this show, because sometimes Abby and Kane get handed the idiot ball, which yeah. is, I stole from uh, Metastation. Um, <laughs> thanks, Claire and Aaron. Shout out. They're constantly made to look stupid so that the kids look smart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that doesn't really gel for me, because these are adults who have made really hard decisions and who are very clearly incredibly intelligent people. And the fact that this episode treated them that way and said these two people not only struggle, but are very intelligent and have things to contribute, I felt like I finally was waiting for this episode in a lot of ways to have that validation that they contribute something other than obstacles for the kids to go up against. 
Yeah. So to me, this scene very much read as like the the parents having the quiet discussion away from the kids. Like after the kids have gone to bed and they have to have the yeah, yeah. adult conversation about like, what are we going to do about this? Except this time it was about murder. Yeah. And yeah. other things that we kind of are learning from this is also that uh, the black rain's there. So that means that the water isn't drinkable and they only have water for another few weeks. Well, maybe they shouldn't have all taken baths in it. <laughs> That's true, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> the only thing I was thinking, Kane's like, we're going to be out of water soon. And I'm like, probably because y'all just dunked your bodies in it. <laughs> and now you can't drink that. So. I, I do have a question about this, though. Mm-hmm. He says, like, we were wrong. It burns on contact. So what did they think it was going to do? Did they think, like, it would rain and then later they would be like, ow, that kind of hurts. I think maybe they thought it would be less poisonous. Oh. Because, like, the, what I thought was maybe, like, the rain and then, like, gives them a rash later. Yeah, I mean, that's totally possible. Yeah. Like, maybe they thought they would just be sort of less potent. Right. But clearly they were... It, this, it seems to be that the theme of this uh, season is everyone vastly underestimates the apocalypse. That's good. <laughs> that, that can, that, can we make a t-shirt? Okay. So, the first thing we see on the island is that Jackson says, this is the main lab, there are five other levels, which we kind of already knew. Mm -hmm. Abby and Clark reunion. So sweet. She goes, it's you, because, you know, the last time she saw Clark, it was, like, in a vision, and she was all radiation poisoned, and it was bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Jackson says he's going to go check on the characters that aren't in the episode, (laughs) so we know where they are. They're napping! So, Raven had another seizure. So does that mean that Luna is with Raven? Because Jackson said he's going to go check on Raven and, and Luna. Then Abby says that Raven is sedated, so Luna's sitting right beside her and watching her sleep. Well, probably slash hashtag C mechanic. No, yeah, for um, sure. But also, like, they keep, I mean, they harvested Luna's bone marrow. Oh. So she's, <laughs> she's, she's probably resting from that uh, traumatizing experience. Oh my gosh, Luna, what a kind soul. If, honestly, if I was Luna, I'd be like, bye. Because, like, the Mount Weather parallels are real with that. No, so real. Like, I always thought of um, Dr. Singh, Cage Wallace, and Dante Wallace as, like, the dark versions of uh, Jaha, Abby, and Kane. I love that. So, like, so Abby harvesting Luna's bone marrow obviously is really hard for mm-hmm, all of them. Mm-hmm. But they still did yeah. it. Poor Luna. Cute. She's a good sport, and it's because Raven talked her into it. Hashtag Steam Steam mechanic. mechanic! Okay, so Roan is out unloading the fuel, which I assume that's where Miller is? Where's Miller? Um, you know, he's doing stuff and things. He's I'm sad. He's swimming in that pool, obviously. I want Miller back. Um, I have good news for you, then. Do we get him next week? Yeah. Yes, Jared! Alright. Have I told you that Jared kissed me on the cheek once? I mean, you've told me, but why don't you tell everyone listening? Jared kissed me on the cheek once. We were walking out of the hotel at Unity Days, and Robin was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up to him. And I was like, Robin? And then she just went, she just went and did it. And we all waited outside, and she came out, and she's like, I was taking a video, and he kissed my cheek. <laughs> so, if so inclined, you could put that on the Aficionados Twitter. I could. Hey, but I'm not gonna unless at least three people ask for it. Uh, if you want to see Jared kiss Robin's cheek, send us the poop emoji. Please. (laughs) 
The poop emoji is the best emoji. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're welcome. We learned that Raven's, like, blood clot stroke thing can heal. So, I spent a lot of time looking up ischemic strokes last night. <laughs> Great. Please talk. Kind of sounds like, um, get ready for puppy bark. Okay. The thing where they say it heals kind of sounds like complete mumbo-jumbo bullshit. <laughs> because when you have an ischemic stroke, there's cell death in your brain. Oh. So, I think they were like, oh, well, ischemic is the better version of hemorrhagic. So, this is the one they can probably survive, right? And so they gave Abby and Raven the less serious one. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. Cute. All right. So is this, like, the sort of, we're starting to tie up the Abby and Raven illness plot? I hope so. Like, Abby will have her big seizure probably next episode, and then they both have to take it easy, because it seems like they conveniently knock those two out when they're needed most. Yeah. So, is it just, <sighs> it honestly feels like a medical way to give them the idiot ball. Because I'm, I hate seeing these articles that are like, Raven and Abby are gonna die as clickbait. And I'm like, but probably not though. I love those articles. They make me laugh because it's like, <laughs> so you picked the two people who have the death sentences for your death prediction list, even though we're this early in the season and they're both series regulars. They're like, bet, bet those two are gonna die because they're the ones that have uh, life-threatening diseases. It's like, that's a good guess. Yeah, that's what we call a red herring. <laughs> I think there's another twist coming up here. So Jackson says that he's really worried about her, doesn't think that she's actually okay. And when's the last time she slept? Uh, last literally episode. last episode, because Murphy said, should I wake yeah. up Abby? She, she slept the whole episode. Because he didn't say, should I go and get Abby? He said, should I wake up Abby? That's when she was asleep. Uh-huh. And she says, I'll sleep soon enough one way or another. I don't like that. No, I don't like that either. But some people are thinking that she said, will, instead of saying, well, I'll sleep. Well, actually, I looked at it. I think she says, oh, I'll sleep. But some people think that she said, we'll all sleep. Oh, no, she said, Okay, well, I hope so. I watched the, I watched it on Netflix with some Yeah, titles. no, me too. I was just like, I mean, I guess I can see where that came from, but I hope not. Like, she, I, like, this is Abby knowing that the seizure's coming for her. Yeah. Like, she, she knows that she's gonna push herself too far, she's gonna have a seizure, be in a life-threatening situation, someone's gonna have to, like, induce her mm -hmm. and put her in a coma. Cute. Just like, uh, just like Robin, just like <laughs> Raven. Them damn bird names. Sorry. Uh, so Amori's listening in on this. Oh, my sneaky, sneaky queen. Sneaky girl. And Clark says, no choice, and Abby says, we have to make a choice because choices. Abby is always, there has to be another way. Mom wanted me to bring up that they have to test radiation on someone just like they tested radiation on Maya, and in the same sort of way, they're fixing it. Uh, what? Like, when Maya was in with the 40, however many, 48, 48 at that point? Yeah. In the, with the 48, and then radiation came in and everyone was fine except for Maya, and then... They used someone else's blood. Oh, yeah, they used Jasper's blood. Oh, that's right. To help her and it was way better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the mountain weather parallels are real. Yeah. Um, so 
Abby's like, go with Amori to the house. Because Amori's like, hi, I'm going to go there. Does anybody need anything? I'm not going there to hang out with my boyfriend. Bye. Abby's like, she was spying on us. Clark, go find out what she knows. And Clark's like, what? Clark's like, do I have to be the biggest third wheel? Yeah. And Abby's like, go find out what she said. What? Uh, Go find out what she's up to. (laughs) So she says, whatever, we need five hours for the samples to see if they work anyway. So go have a shower. And both of us are like, (gasps) thank you, God. We got like five different tweets of people being like, the shower watch. It is real. I'm just so excited. So when, when Clark and Amori are walking through the forest, Clark says that she used to love the rain. And a lot of people are being like, she lived on the Ark. What rain did she experience? But she when did. When she landed on Earth. Yeah. Do we, I don't remember when the last time it rained or like whatever. I mean, it's BC. It's raining all the time. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, that wasn't like a plot point where she was just like, now I'm very sad. No. But the important thing in this conversation is that um, Clark asks Amori for like details about the island. Including uh-huh. the fact that they used to scavenge tech. Yeah. So, first of all, how the hell did Amori scavenge tech when she wasn't allowed past the barrier? True. Which means someone on the island had to be delivering her things for this. Right. But if Allie was in the mansion... Maybe it was, um... Who was she getting it for? What was his name? What was his name? I should know this, but I don't remember. What was his name? Okay, wait. Um... What was his name? It was like Harry Potter related. Molly Weasley's brothers were named uh, Fabian and Gideon. Gideon! Gideon. Maybe it was Gideon. Didn't Gideon end up working for Allie? He was in the City of Light. Yeah. Wasn't she scavenging for Allie? So why was Allie scavenging her own island for technology that she already had Well, I didn't think that she was scavenging the island. I thought she was scavenging and then bringing back to Allie. But then they said that there were scavengers on the island. Yeah, but like just right now, right? I don't know. I feel like... Oh, I don't know either. I definitely feel like at some point we're going to find out that there's someone out there with technology. Okay, that sounds cool. I'm excited. Yeah. You know who it is? Uh, who? It's Bill Cadigan. Okay, but like probably. Yeah, no, right though? Yeah. So Clark is just like, Murphy told me this and this and this. And I'm like, why are you and Murphy are having like little like secret like sleepover talks or what? Gossip fests. I don't, I don't know when, but I like it. After Kane and Abby are done their radio dates, Murphy and Clark get on and they just gossip. That's cute. That's nice. I like it. And so Amori is pretty much just hoping that Clark will tell her the secret because... I don't think that Clark and Abby knew that Amori was listening in. And I don't think Clark and Abby were ever planning on testing Amori. You don't think so? No! You know what? I don't think so either, but I understand where Amori's coming from. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know who they would have chosen. I feel like possibly Roan might have volunteered? Yeah, they probably would have looked for volunteers. Um, yeah, so... I don't think that Amori was ever in really any danger, but I kind of really liked this storyline. This is probably my favorite storyline of the season. Absolutely. So, the drones are still up for trespassers, I guess. And so Jackson just takes them down. 
the scavengers, yeah. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. He takes the drones down, and once Amori gets in, it seems like she's put the security back on? Yeah. So how did the dude get in? Um, Doesn't make sense. Okay, maybe she just put the security... Uh, she put the security on in the house, and then someone broke a window and an alarm didn't go off. Listen, sometimes there's plot holes, and we just move past them. Okay. Okay. Fine, I'm just bringing him up. Um, okay, so Murphy's dancing, and, like, that's Richard. Oh my god, that was so delightful. That wasn't Murphy. Imagine seeing Murphy in season one, and then going, one day, that kid is gonna cook. And dance. With his girlfriend, and Clark comes in, and he feeds Clark food. It's so cute, I love this. It was unbearably, everything about this episode was so good. I love domestic Mamori so yeah. much. And if I had told myself that two years ago, I would have hey, been so angry. I would have, like, hurt Robin, myself. Robin, that is, like, an unbelievable sentence coming from past Robin. No, I yeah. know. I cannot believe it. But I think that the reason, I think that the reason is that, like, back then, all I had was Rubicon, which was the only episode that Mamori was in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, like, she just didn't earn it. That's, that's fair. Like, you have to get to know a character. Especially when it's a love interest for your favorite character. Mm-hmm. Who you think deserves the world. And so this person comes in and is just, like, a random. And you're like, did I ask for you? No, it's like 100% when your, like, best friend starts dating someone and you're like, so who are you? And why are you worthy? Excuse you? Please leave. No, exactly. And so now, especially after this episode, like, this episode cemented that ship. Yeah. Even before this episode, I was even a little bit leery still. And I was only kind of liking Memori because I love Louisa. And now I'm watching this episode and I'm just like, this is it! Yes! I have been on board this from, like, day one, so I'm just delighted by this. I am delighted by this. And I especially, I think we, I think we need to talk about something extremely serious. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. The trig word for chef is Ronzi. Ronzi. R-A-N-D-Z-I. That's correct. Do you know what? Do you know what that is? I I do, but I want you to talk about it. (laughs) It's Gordon Ramsay. Do you think they did that on purpose? (laughs) They did. I checked the um, language creator's Tumblr today and he's like, yep, that's Gordon Ramsay. That's what I did. Oh my God. That's too funny. Heck yes. So, um... Shout out to Gordon Ramsay. He follows me on Twitter, so I'm just going to at him and be like, hey, did you yes! know this random CW show he that does? you have no That's idea crazy. about crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. I have a thing. Okay. Do you know what the passcode was that she put into the um, computer? It looked like it was 919. It was 9191. It was not oh. a good passcode. Um, wow, guys. Yeah. I th- for a second, I thought it was 911, and I was like, that's on the nose. <laughs> And Maury's like, I'm already trying to send messages to John, but he's not paying attention. So. <laughs> Look at the screen, John. Nine, one, one. Hello. Question. Okay. I have, I have so many questions about this mansion. Why is it so flippin' clean? Where did all the food come from? I have from? no idea. If, if it went through an apocalypse, like. I mean, it was already kind of nice when Jaha showed up, but so I have a theory. Shouldn't there be like some dust around or something? Okay, but I think that there's like hundred-year-old Roombas 
who are still yes. on their scheduled circuits mm-hmm. and they are cleaning constantly. So it's been like a hundred years and there's no one living there, but they're still cleaning. I but like, like that. you know, it's like what, 2150? So like there's like dust Roombas and, you know, mm-hmm. floor and wall cleaning Roombas mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Food stocking Roombas mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay. I love it. So surprise, Murphy can cook. Surprise, Murphy can read. And once again, thinks everyone's hitting on him. I like that. That's Murphy's theme of the season. Amori also mentions that there aren't a lot of good cooks. Mm-hmm. And so everyone would love him. And I'm like, I already do. So <laughs> I was here first. She wants to run away to the bunker. And Murphy's like, once again, no. The- I love that Amori's exit strategy is always in the back of her mind because Amori yeah. knows what show she's on. Yeah. Clark goes to have her shower. And are those lights motion activated or what? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Fancy as heck. I want to live in this house. It's and it's like down the street room. from me. So I want to go live there for reals. Legit. Can we both live there? Absolutely. You know what? We're just going to move all our friends in there. I'm like not kidding. It's obviously big enough. Do you like, have that 10 million? Great. Do you have $10 million to buy it? Maybe if we all pool our money. Okay. 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 All of our listeners too. Yeah. Guys, you are welcome to come stay in our house. Yes. We just need $10 million. And like, Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> we want Allie's house. Okay. I want to talk about this smudge that's on the bed. Clark's fingers. That when I when I watched it for the first time, I thought it was just her fingers because she was dirty. But then some people thought it was like another sign that someone else was already there or something. I don't know. What? No, you can see the dirt on Clark's fingers. Yeah, that's what She's I thought. Dirty. That's what I thought. Okay, okay. bath. Good, yeah. good, good. CGSW. CGSW, it happens. Clark Griffin took a shower. On screen. On screen. I have textual evidence that Clark Griffin is a clean person for once in her life. It's and amazing. she brushed her hair. She washed her hair. Mm-hmm. She brushed mm-hmm. her hair. This is like, this is a major development, guys. This might be the most important thing that's ever happened on this show. It's true, though. Yeah. I want to talk about the, the parallels and the contrast between this episode with clean and dirty water. Okay. So, I mean, I say, I always do this where I'm like, I want to talk about this, but I mostly just want to point it out. You're like, that's just my one point is black rain versus cleansing rain. So now she has like a tiny nap time. Where, like, does Murphy and Amori sleep there? What? Or do they sleep back at the lab? I think they all sleep in the different bedrooms of that house. Except for okay. whoever's under medical observation. I think Murphy and Amori should get that room. Anyway. Where does Abby sleep? I don't know, but she needs something nice. Well, she, she, I, I, I honestly thought she and Clark were probably going to share a bedroom. Yeah. Okay, Um. so this rattling and stuff, that's just the wind, right? On this hole in the window. Yeah. So. It's just super spooky. There's blood on the window, too. Well, yeah, because the guy broke, uh, cut himself getting in the room. Okay. So, I'm really confused about what happened. Why? Because, did he th- throw something through the, the window? Or, like, how did, yeah. I don't, is that how he came in? Or was, I thought it was, yeah. like, maybe a distraction to, like, get them all over there so he could come in somewhere else? Like, I don't know. And then they, like, focused on the thing that he had, like, that... They focused on a thing and I couldn't tell what it was. 
I couldn't tell what it was either. I assumed that he came in through that and he broke the latch on the window, opened the window, came in, and then, like, the window closed behind him. Okay. Whatever. I don't care that much. I was just confused. (laughs) (laughs) So Murphy comes in and Clark's like, I'm almost gonna shoot you. And he says that he just wants to talk. So I assume he's coming in to be like, hey, Amori's really worried that you guys are gonna do this thing. And can you just tell her that you're not gonna do that? Because I don't think you are. Yeah, that was absolutely what was gonna happen. Okay, I think that's nice. Can I just say how relatable it is that Clark is that scared in that house? Because the other night, I was home alone, and I decided to read scary stories on Reddit. Like, I was on our no sleep. Like, I hate Reddit, but I was on our no sleep. And, like, for the rest of the night, I would hear one object move. And I was like... (gasps) So, like, I am Clark, and Clark is me in that scene, for reals. for sure. Okay, so the intruder tries to beat up Amori because I guess he just didn't think anyone was going to be in there. Which is like... Even though the lights are on. How did he get there? And she calls him Bayless. So, like, we've learned that, like, that's just not his name. He has a different name. Yeah. And so... But Murphy seems to know that name. Like, he's heard these stories. Yeah, Murphy obviously has Amori's backstory. Yeah. Which is nice. Okay. Yeah. But... When you watch it for the second time, this, these scenes are, like, really kind of eerie and, like, kind of upsetting. Yeah, when you watch it for the second time and you see the guy uh, pleading me, he's like, you don't know me. Yeah, and he's actually a pretty chill dude who's, like, kind of okay when you know that he's innocent. And it's really sad. But at the same time, if that was me and someone was falsely accusing me of being someone I wasn't, I would have fought a lot harder. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. So Clark gives Murphy her gun, which, talk to season one Clark and ask her if she would do that. (laughs) And he promises that he wouldn't let him go. And... And 100%, like, the trust there, so good. Yeah, oh, like, 100%. Like, Amori's gonna be like, are you sure? No, like, she knows that he's not gonna let him go. She's got this. And he says, we're going to have some fun. Mom seems to think that someone like Miller or something said a similar thing when they were going to torture Lincoln. I mean, possibly. Possibly. I don't remember this, but if so, then cool. Yeah, that it sounds like something that Miller said when that happened. Yeah. So Amori says that the kill is hers, which is what Octavia said last yeah. time. Blood must have but blood. But also, this is totally part of her plan so that Murphy or Clark doesn't choose to kill him first because they need him because she can control the amount of damage inflicted on him so then later amori asks clark if she has ever killed for revenge and clark says no uh no has she not um in clark's mind she's only ever killed to save that's true okay Mm, i don't know if i believe her but she's never killed anyone who straight up wronged her the person that she probably would have killed who'd wronged her so badly was titus but yeah. She didn't get that kill. Yeah. And I don't think Amori has ever killed anybody from what we know of. Has she? Oh, I'm sure Amori's killed people. Yeah, okay. Because um, we know that when it was Gideon, Murphy killed him. Yeah. And stuff, so. Anyway. So, her and Otan, I, I don't know what this story is, but w- what do you think happened to her and Otan and Bayless? I'm guessing that Bayless took advantage of the fact that they were two orphaned kids and used them, like, for business. 
mm-hmm. like doing all sorts of illegal things. Like Amori had to learn the tricks of the trade from somewhere. And I yeah. think Bayless is probably the person who exploited and manipulated both of them in order to do that. Bayless, the way that she's talking about him kind of sounds a lot like uh, Benjamin Linus. What do you mean? Like she's talking about how he'll do anything and he'll manipulate you oh, and yeah. and blah 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 all these things. Like if you take a look at that monologue, you're just like it, all of this could talk about Benjamin Linus, who's a character on Lost. Yeah. So it makes it so the the audience will absolutely never trust anything that he says. It's brilliant. Amori's brilliant. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, but she's just trying to manipulate. And she mentions that she's the commander of death, which I thought was a fantastic... What a boss. Best quote. Because she straight up is. Like, it's not even that it's about her becoming the commander of death, the Gildas guy. It's she's the commander of death because she holds his fate in her hands. I'm she like, cool, end to, to your monologue. Oh, she's yes. such a boss. Okay, cool. So, um, when she's punching him, she says things like, for my brother, for me, and pointing out that Ilion also said, for my family, for my brother, blah, 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 mm-hmm. when he was going to blow up the Ark, also pointing out that when Mount Weather was going to be blown up, that's sort of what the assassin said, so it must be a grounder thing, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's vengeance for your family. Yeah. yeah. Um. So... The guy who's not Bayless uh, mentions that he was just here to scavenge for his family. He probably and was. And I'm like, guess I'll cry because now I know that he was literally just scavenging for his family and now he has and he has a family and it's sad. Yeah. And now we have to watch him get tortured. Yep. And so Murphy loves Amori. Do you think she knows that? I think she knows that, but I don't think they've ever said it to each other. I think it's something that Murphy knows to be true but hasn't said it to her cute yeah i i really like the idea that murphy maybe hasn't said it to her because that's like a big step for murphy yeah so he can tell someone else first right to like sort of practice so this man who he's not Mm -hmm. uh thought he could control amori i guess and he says i'm not that man and he's not that man He's he's quite literally not so amori is punching a random dude and she's just acting She's so good. You think she's, like, maybe taking the the feelings that she would have if she was punching Bayless and, like, punching that guy with those feelings, I guess. Possibly, but it's also that Imori is an incredibly skilled con artist, which means she's in, mm-hmm. an incredibly skilled actress. Yeah. So okay, she cool, can yeah. channel anything and pull off anything, which is what makes her so scary and so good. And Clark's like, hey, maybe don't. And Murphy's like, hey, maybe mind your own business. Yeah. He's like, um, back off and let my girl do her thing. He's like, she wants to, and so she can. Yeah. Let her live her life, okay? You do you. And then Clark finally gets what Amori's been trying to get her to do. And she's like, hey, I've got an idea. Amori led Clark by the nose. Mm-hmm. Someone finally managed to get one over on Clark Griffin, and it was Amori. I loved it. I love it. So, the last thing that we see in this episode is, okay, so Roan lies the guy down. And it's, like, so sensual. It's a baptism, Robin. Come on. It felt so weird. It's, it's like when, how you laid people down for a baptism. Okay. You sensual. Me? No, it's religious. Still felt weird. It, it, yeah. Uh, also, Roan had a haircut and he showered. Oh, I need to take more... <laughs> we saw him for three seconds. I have to look again, I guess. Uh, and so she's like, hey, no one likes doing this stuff, mom. 
It's like reassuring Abby. So that's pretty much it. Uh, then they inject him with the marrow. But that I think that's really important though. Like Clark's steady belief in Abby is the thing that steadies like Abby's shakiness. Right. Yeah. So they inject him with the marrow mm-hmm. and Murphy says that he hopes that he lives. Yeah. And she's like, me too. Surprise! <laughs> oops. And there's this moment where he's like, is that not him? And she looks at him and just like does a tiny shake of her head. And he's just like so into it. They are diabolical. They're devious. They're fantastic. I'm obsessed with them. I'm obsessed. I love them. Don't tell me from two years ago. She would hate it. She would hate it. They just, they are consistently the people who know what, world and show they're in together they are unstoppable and she's pretty much just like i don't know who he is but he's not me and that's what matters yep yeah and the great unanswerable question is was it ever going to be her and it doesn't matter yeah because she made sure it wasn't because she's she's a genius she's a brilliant tactician it's real if she had been allowed to live life with the grounders she would have been an excellent leader But because she was cast out, she's become this absolutely fantastic manipulative con artist. And that's just as good, if not better. Yes! Oh my god. Okay. Are you ready for our segments? Yes. Okay. So my first segment is called the Post-Apocalyptic Sass Watch. And my first prize goes to Octavia Blake for... Why don't you make a fire? You're good at that. Roasted. Okay. (laughs) Roasted. Good one. And my honorable mention goes to John Murphy for... No, I know what you're thinking, Clark. Why are all the good ones taken, right? And my segment is, I mean, basically the whole episode was my segment. It was CGSW, the Clark Griffin Shower Watch. Yay! I emerged victorious. Listen, I don't want to say that the writers did this for me, but I'm not not They did it that. for you! <laughs> it's exciting! Thank you, writers. Also, these were new writers, and I love them, and I want to keep them- I love them, them too! I, they're so good. And my second segment is called the Most Valuable Protagonist Award. So the MVP for this week is Imori. Oh, heck yes. I love it. Okay, and then my second segment is the Marcus Kane Beard Appreciation. Um, Excellent beard. Yes. Truly excellent beard. beard. Beard that came with shirtlessness. Just like, just truly good beard. Mm-hmm. Good, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Very good beard. Our last segment would be called the Ronan Echo Makeup Hour, but alas, hardly any Ronan Zero Echo. He's not wearing makeup. But we will resume when they show back up. Yes. Yes. Okay, make an announcement, Brittany. So, here at the Aficionados, we have a special announcement, which is that Louisa, who plays Emori, is going to be joining us for a interview after 409 airs. There's going to be a three-week hiatus. So, we reached out, and she said, heck yes. So, we will be interviewing Louisa. So, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet them at us. Let us know if you have any questions about the fabulous Amori and her sneaky ways and what she's up to, what's up in her future, anything like that. We are so excited and Robin is the MVP for lending this one. And I think maybe we should make like a sort of uh, survey thing so that we can have all of our questions in one place so that we can... That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll, we'll, tweet the, we'll tweet that out pretty quick here. And it's very exciting. We're so excited. We're so honored. Louisa will be our first interview. We met her at Unity Days, and she is a ray of sunshine. Yeah, the nicest. So it's yes, very exciting. so kind. Yeah. So thank you to Louisa, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. 
And our first episode of our Lost podcast is now available. We're really, really excited about it. It's for episode 101 and 102, Pilot Part 1 and Pilot Part 2 of Lost. Please hang out with us. <laughs> we want to talk to you about this show. Shouting, shouting. We love you and we love it. Please, yeah. please. It's so fun. I'm so excited about it. Robin's a little excited. Normal amount. Um, you can follow The Aficionados on Twitter at The Aficionados. Uh, tweet us with anything you'd like us to discuss. Questions for Louisa. Um, slash corrections because I love when you guys tweet us and you're like, uh, guys, something that you just said was completely inaccurate. And then I kind of just sit on my phone like completely embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, uh, yep. yep. We're dumb. <laughs> I'm like, yep. Alrighty. All right. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash theaficionados. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you enjoy anything that we do, please consider donating. We love you. Yeah, we really do. Our website is theaficionados.com. We're going to start posting like blog posts and articles in cute lists on there. I have my first idea for that. So are you guys ready for the first announcement of what my article is going to be? And I still have to work on it, but it's going to happen. I'm ready. At Unity Days, I was talking to a bunch of my friends about how I have, like, I look at 21 Pilots' discography, mm -hmm. and I have a the 100 character for just about every single song of theirs. And so, for the past week, I've been taking, I've been listening to the to 21 Pilots and putting the 100 characters to them specifically, trying not to overlap characters. So, just as a sneak peek... The, my favorite one that I think is super, super accurate, Tear in My Heart from their second album, Blurry Face, is just incredibly thin. Oh, interesting. So prepare because I've got one for just about every single one of their songs. And now I can change listening to Blurry Face from listening to Blurry Face to a The 100 fandom experience. Fantastic. I'm ready. And I've never listened to that album, so I don't know. Oh be my god, Brittany, yes! <laughs> uh, yes! I'm so excited. I have to write this faster now. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Appertania. That's B R I T T A N I A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y pretty much everywhere. I also run at the 100 script on Twitter, and we've just started Blood Must Have Blood Part 2 from the end of season 2. And it's exciting, and we do things. I love that episode. Yes. Next week, we will be doing episode 408, God Complex, and then we're on hiatus for three weeks for some inexplicable reason. And then we'll talk to Louisa, and it'll be super fun. Yay! Yay! Okay, love you. Bye! Love you, bye! Love you, bye! Love you, bye! Bye, bye, bye! Love bye. You.